0: You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled, Get on the Highway, Part 4. Enjoy. Father, thank you for meeting every need represented in this place. We absolutely refuse to worry about anyone or anything, about our family, extended family, Friends, spouse, children, tomorrow, today, we trust you with our whole heart. We lean our whole person on you, knowing that you've got it. Thank you for healing today, for restoring and making whole in this place today. Thank you for saving and delivering and setting free that any addictions here would be broken now by your presence in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you put Hosea 4, 6 up there? We're on the highway. A highway is a structure that is made so that you can get from where you are to where you want to be. And in life, Jesus is that highway. He'll take you from where you are now to where you were destined to be. That's why we're called Highway Church. By coming here, you're going to find that you're going to move forward in God's plan for your life because Jesus is what's taught here, and he'll take you into the fullness of your destiny. The Lord just won't let me get away from this scripture. I keep trying, but we're, going to, we're, going to, we're just going to follow him. Hosea 4.6 six. We're talking about getting on the highway. Get on God's path for your life. Let him take you into the fullness of the the beyond your imagination destiny that he has for your life. And Hosea 4.6 says this, My people were destroyed for lack of knowledge. This answers a lot of questions. Why do bad things happen in the earth? Lack of knowledge of who God really is. Why, Why do all of these things happen because there's a lack, a tremendous lack of knowledge of God's love, of who he is, of what he's already done for us, and who we are in Christ. If there's a lack of the knowledge of the goodness of God in your life, it provides openings for Satan to manipulate you. To talk you out of things and talk you into things that, aren't, that are going to hurt you. On the same note, if lack of knowledge of God's person, of his nature, opens the door for destruction, what does knowledge of God do? Brings life, brings healing, brings prosperity, right? If lack of the knowledge of God opens the door for destruction, then knowledge of God brings about healing wholeness, prosperity, and success. Isn't it funny that there are ministers that would be mad at me for saying that? Really? That have gone to seminary, that have doctorates in theology? That would be really upset with me for saying what I just said. That knowledge of God brings prosperity. But it's true anyway. So I'm going to say it. Go to Second Peter chapter one, the knowledge of God. And before we read this, we were praying at, at a, the get together at the, the John's home in Fall River, and Don was praying something, and boy, he nailed it. We we're just praying and flowing in the Spirit, and he said something along these lines that people are coming here and they're going to stay not because just because of a, a good feeling they have, but because they're growing in the knowledge of God. When you can connect with a ministry that builds you up in the grace of God, it changes everything. That's what's happening here. That's why we started this place. It's not easy to find. Look at 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. See, this is the result now of having knowledge of God. Destruct, no knowledge, lack of knowledge, destruction. Satan can manipulate you. If you have knowledge of God, grace, what is grace? Remember G R A C E, the anachronym, 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 God's riches at Christ's expense. The grace of God is everything He's already accomplished for you through the finished work of His Son. Okay? Grace and peace, what's peace? Irania in the Greek. Wholeness, right? To be set at one again, to be made new, to be restored, to prosper. These things will be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God. Yes. So the fact that they can be multiplied tells me there's a lot more for me to have. Amen. Right? No matter where I'm at, there's a lot more grace. There's a lot more peace that God has for me. There's a lot more wholeness and strength and healing and restoration and prosperity that he has for me. Wow. I don't know. I wish we could put a meter on what's going on inside of me. It's like the Holy Spirit just wanted to jump out and bless you. Don't you ever settle for the way things currently are or have been, even if it's been 20 years or 30 or 40. God has more for you. Your expectation for your future is not based on your past. It's based on who Jesus is and what he accomplished for you. I'm just going to have to make sure I don't Okay. Put the Moffat translation up there. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you by the knowledge of our Lord. The more you know him, the better your life gets. The less you know him, the darker your life gets. The more confused you'll be. The more you know him, the stronger you'll become the freer you'll become. Put the New Century version up there. Grace and peace will be multiplied unto you because you truly know God. Amplified Will be multiplied to you in the full, personal, precise, and correct knowledge of God. Don't assume for a minute, because you're in a church, or listening to a minister, that you're hearing the true knowledge of God. I wish it was otherwise, but it's not. A lot of what's coming from ministries is not the true knowledge of God. It's the ideas of man. And there's a heaviness with it. There's a confusion with it. There's a weight that you can't carry with it. And people are leaving their places of worship heavier than when they came in and they don't know why they think it's because they're just a you know there's something wrong with them they're not they're not hearing about the goodness of God they're not hearing about what God has already accomplished for them the focus is being put on them and their mistakes instead of him and his perfection verse 3 seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything. If you wonder what God has granted to you, everything. Pertaining to life and godliness. Through the what kind of knowledge? Be aware that there's false knowledge out there. Doesn't matter what size the church is or how how qualified, quote unquote, that the ministers may say they are. We're going to get, become very clear in this in just a few moments. Stay with me. Through the true knowledge of him, not fake knowledge, not religious knowledge, the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. This was his idea. He loved us first. For by these, his own glory and excellence, he has granted to us. It's already done. His precious and magnificent promises. In order, that means his promises have now become our provision. They're not something we're waiting for to happen. They're done in Jesus' name. Did it go out again, Judah? How long ago? Just now, okay. Very good. We're just going to keep going. In order that by them you might become partakers of the divine nature. So, realize that wherever you are in your journey right now, there's a whole lot more life waiting for you. Yes. Yes. A whole lot more than you've imagined. Yes. Now, <laughs> can we talk? <laughs> Let's just talk about the history a little bit, or very briefly, of the church in America, okay? I grew up in a place that was very dark, the church I went to. It was one of the largest denominations in the world and very, very prevalent. And boy, I didn't know as a kid how to explain it, but I just felt dark there. It felt cold to me. Now, you go back to the New Testament, back to the book of Acts, and you trace the spreading of the gospel and into the epistles, everything changed when Jesus gave to Paul the revelation of the gospel of grace, of the finished work of Christ. He gave it to Paul directly. Paul was not one of the 12. He didn't meet with them to learn what they learned. He was zealous for God as Saul, but his zeal was was wrong, was misguided. Christ appeared to him. Christ personally taught him the gospel. And you, if you look at the history, well, of the church, not only in America, but back since those days you'll see Paul went through some serious persecution because he taught that we're saved by grace. Not by works. That we're justified by faith in Christ, not what we've done. And it's amazing the persecution he went through for for sharing such great news. Isn't that great news? I mean, do you get mad at someone when they bring you good news? Of course not. Why would would people get mad when someone preaches grace? Because there's spiritual activity going on. Satan doesn't want people to know they're saved by grace. He wants them to think it's something they have to earn. And they have to, once they get it, they better get their act right because they're going to lose it if they don't. There's a spiritual battle happening, has been, since Christ rose from the dead. Satan is trying to keep the grace of God from coming into people's lives. Galatians is a wonderful book. Romans is an amazing book. Uh, Ephesians, they're all amazing. But Paul taught that our salvation is not based on our performance, but on Christ's performance, right? So the church in America in the 20th century went through some amazing changes. Early 1900s, well, 1920s, 1930s, in that area, there were different men and women across the country who started receiving a revelation that Jesus is our healer, that Jesus bore our sicknesses and carried our diseases. And they began preaching that and having healing meetings. It's good to know what's happened before us. Yeah. Now, you, you, need, you already know about me. I'm not interested in promoting any denomination. I'm interested in promoting Christ. I'm not interested in putting down, in, in, I'm thankful for the body of Christ. But I am interested in calling attention to wrong ideas about God because they trap you. And it's, it's, a, it's a terrible waste of time to go to church for 10, 15, 20 years and be in bondage. Shouldn't be that way. Not here. So in the 20s, 30s, 40s, these men and women from different denominations began preaching that Jesus bore your sicknesses and carried you to diseases and with the stripes. And tremendous healing revivals, healing meaning, broke out in this nation where they would have had to get tense to accommodate the people, thousands and thousands of people. And what happened, the denominations, they came from different denominations, these ministers, or these people with revelation. The denominations started getting mad at them because they were drawing all these people. They kicked them out. You can't be a part of our denomination anymore. Isn't that sad? Because they were doing what Jesus did. Wouldn't it be shocking for a church to kick Jesus out? Many have. Not here. He's everything we're all about, right? I'm just talking about history. So they kick these people out. What are you going to do? You get kicked out of your denomination for preaching Jesus. Thousands and thousands of people getting healed and set free. You just keep preaching Jesus. Jesus. So what ended up happening over time, uh, people like uh, Oral Roberts, A.A. Allen, uh, F.F. Bosworth, uh, Lillian B. Yeoman, um, Catherine Coleman from my part of the country, around Pittsburgh, they just kept preaching Jesus, and it changed our nation, and it changed the world. And at one point, things were so strict in America, you had to be in a denomination, You had to have a label on you. You had to be a certain type of Christian. Do you know it's not like that anymore? In fact, people are looking for churches that are not a part of a denomination. The Holy Spirit has helped to do that. Thank God for that. People are actually starting to look for Jesus. Hallelujah. What a concept to look for Jesus in church. So, you uh, know, I'm bringing this up because we teach things here that many will will criticize and, and consider heresy or, you know, a, a false gospel, and I understand that. But stay with me. I want you to look at the history of what's happened here in America. So this was happening in the 20s, 30s, 40s, and then one of the reasons that this broke out in America is prior to that there are a lot of things that were taught about God that simply weren't true one of the things is that God's sovereignty means that he's controlling everything that was a very common teaching in America American churches not all of them but it became very prevalent especially late 1800s early 1900s but that's not Bible truth. The Bible doesn't teach that. God is not controlling everything in the earth. God is not causing and he is not allowing bad things to happen. Amazing how many believers I hear say that. Well, he allowed it. God is not allowing any bad things to happen. He's not. This would make many theologians furious. The sovereignty of God means he's above all. Okay? He's above all, in his sovereignty, he gave control of the earth to man. Complete control of the earth. You read Genesis. He gave sovereignty, the scriptures say, over the earth to man. And he's not a, what do you call it, a micromanager. When he gives you something, it's yours. Satan, through Adam's sin, stole that sovereignty. And he is now the God of this world. That's the reason bad things are happening. See, to say God is allowing bad things to happen is to say that he could stop them, but he doesn't. That he's really in control, but for some reason, he just decides to let that happen. Nothing can be further from the truth. God cannot stop. What's going on in this world? It's not his responsibility anymore. This will set you free, it'll wake you up. God cannot stop the evil going on in this world. I know this is controversial, but it's true anyway. He gave us the authority to do it through faith in Christ. God needs men and women to open their mouths and speak his authority, his truth into the earth. Satan is under our feet now because of what Jesus did. Very important to understand. This should be common knowledge of every believer. But so few realize this from the scriptures. So because so many people are in this this fog of everything that happens is God's will... God's controlling everything. So, I, so I, you know, I, I had this sickness and someone prayed for me and I wasn't healed, so God's, it's God's will for me to be sick. People were in this fog. It wasn't true, but that's what they believed. Then these men and women came along saying, Jesus bore your sicknesses and carried your diseases, and actually if you'll put your faith in him, you can be whole. It was like, what? But I was told God put this in my life to teach me something. No, not true. Jesus bore it so you don't have to, Thank you, Lord. okay? Thank you, Lord. So there was a tremendous change that took place really 40s, 50s, and 60s now through ministries like Kenneth E. Hagin, uh, Oral Roberts. Uh, E.W. Kenyon preceded them. He's one of my favorite. E.W. Kenyon, one of my favorite Bible teachers of all time. And he was, I think he went to heaven in 48, 1948. So they came in saying, actually... The sickness in your life is not God's will, and he's paid the price so you don't have to carry it anymore. And that changed everything. Let's fast forward now to 2018. So what man has a tendency to do is put something in a box and make it difficult. Okay? We're fighting against that. We're resisting that. So what that? So this idea of what Jesus taught us in the Gospels, right, in mean, multiple uh, times people would come to him and he'd say, like the blind man in Matthew 9, uh, what do you want me to do for you? He so said, we want to receive our sight. He said, do you believe I'm able to do this? Yes, Lord. According to your faith be it done unto you. That's a revelation. What? I thought it was according to your will. Well, my will is already that you be whole. Yes. My will has already been revealed. My will is that you're healed. Yes. But you have to believe that. Because when you believe that, it opens the door for me to move in your life. Amen. That was a major revelation in America. Yeah. That wait a minute, it's not God doing this to me. I simply have to believe in who he really is and I'll be free from this thing. And Romans 10, 9 and 10 was a scripture used. This is the word of faith that we preach. And a lot of that teaching became known as word of faith. And excellent teaching, excellent teaching that will change your life. And I know I, I'm... I'm it's treading on some very controversial grounds here. I learned so much from Kenneth E. Hagen and Kenneth Copeland and Gloria Copeland and Fred Price and uh, the list goes on and on and on and Bill Winston. Tremendous. But what ended up happening over the years, and it's no one's fault per se. It's just sometimes we start looking to a person who had a revelation from God, but we take our eyes off of Jesus or we start trying to turn something into a work. So what ended up happening, the revelation that, wait a minute, my faith makes a difference. It's not all God just pulling these levers and controlling us like puppets. We actually play a very important part of this. That revelation was huge. Is this making any sense? Are you with me? So the, we went from this idea that God's controlling everything and we have no say in the matter, to this revelation that our faith changes everything. And the message of that same verse has become what you believe. <laughs> Mark 11, 23, I think, 22 through 24, that was uh, Kenneth E. Hagin's foundational scriptures. He was uh, paralyzed as a teenage boy at age of 16. I think for six months, he laid in his, his mother's bed or grandmother's bed, I forget what it was, and he went to a certain type of denominational church. His pastor says you're, he had three He had three fatal diseases. I forget what it was, a blood disease, heart disease, and something else. This pastor came and said, okay, it's time for you to get ready to go to heaven. You're going to heaven. So everyone, everyone that he knew, no one believed in healing. But he, he couldn't get out of bed. I think for the waist down, he was paralyzed. He had a lot of time just to lay there. So it was his, I think his grandmother's Bible, he just started opening it and reading it. And he came across Mark 11, 22 through 24, where Jesus said, have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever say to this mountain, be thou removed. And be thou cast in the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe, those things that he, uh, believe the things that he says will, will come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. I don't know if I said that all right, but you get the idea. It's Mark eleven twenty two through 24. So he read that, and he said, I just kept reading it. And I thought, well, wait a minute. If this is really true, then I don't have to die but my pastors telling me I do everyone I know who's a Christian is telling me you're gonna die but I'm reading the words of Jesus in my grandmother's Bible and if this is really what it says if he really is week then I don't have to die 16 years old no support no ministry no highway church to come to (laughs) and he said I would lay there cuz I was up sometimes throughout the night and I just read those same verses over and over and over and over again for months. And somewhere along the six-month line, he said it finally clicked. And he said, during those times, I'd have times where I'd start to feel stronger than I'd get weak again. I'd start to feel stronger and I'd get weak again. But then he said, I realized something that I was doing. I was looking at my body to determine, to determine whether or not I was healed. So I'd pray, I'd believe I was healed, and I'd look down, and my legs still couldn't move, and I'd get discouraged again. I had this great time of prayer, thanking God that I was healed, and I'd look, and nothing changed. He, he didn't know what he, what he ended up later teaching. The spiritual reality is greater than the physical. But what hit him, I think, was in verse 24, said, what things soever you desire when you pray, when you pray, not after you pray, when you pray, Believe that you have received them and you shall have them. So we believe that we have it no matter what it looks like. That takes place inside first. When that happens, you've got it. Doesn't matter what you feel like. When you know that you're healed in your heart, you've got it. Your body will come around. Okay? So this is a major revelation in the body of Christ in America in this time. And he ended up, he described the day where he said, oh, okay, so, I, so I'm healed. He said, then I believe I'm healed. He said his legs were kind of like uh, poles of wood. They did, so he just, he said, well, if I'm healed, then I can walk. So he took his legs by the hand, just pushed them off the bed, and he said they just kind of hit the floor. And he grabbed onto the bed, his bedpost. And he said, as I meditated on that scripture, I said, No, I am healed. He said, as I stood on that scripture and I pulled myself up. He said, like a warm honey just flowed down my body. And, and, and I began to walk and received healing and wholeness. So that's a little bit about Kenneth E. Hagan. So thankful for him and so many others. Lillian B. Yeoman, who was a physician. And, and and didn't know the gospel, and, and ended up becoming addicted. I forget what the drug was. Through through, they were using different types of drugs to treat certain things, and she became addicted. And, and somewhere heard the gospel and learned that Christ was the healer, and got set free from her drug addiction. And decided no, to no longer practice medicine but to preach the gospel. Different people like this throughout history that you should know about. That you should be reading their books and learn about, because you'll be you'll be amazed to find out how good God is and how real He is today. So, what ended up happening over time is this revelation that faith changes things it began to spread around the world. Thank God for it. But fast forward to, you know, 2000, 2005. Then what happened is faith became the object of people's relationship with God. Faith became something now I have to work to obtain. Faith turned into a work. Instead of a simple response to who he is. do You understand the difference? That can happen. No matter how good it is, what you're hearing, you can turn it into a work. So scriptures like, you know, uh, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That great scripture, very true by the word of Christ. But then you can put pressure. I got to hear. I got to hear. I got to hear. I got to read my Bible more. I got to confess more. I gotta, you're turning it into a work. What must we do to experience the kingdom of God? What did Jesus say? Believe. 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 Right? Our faith is not a work, it's not an object to be obtained. It's a response to who He is. Okay. That's what it is. When you know someone, you don't have to work to have faith right. because you know them. Right. I've shared this before, and E.W. Kenyon in his books, I uh, read over the years, he said, wouldn't it be strange if a, if a child came into the kitchen and asked their mother, you know, for a sandwich for lunch? And she said, sure, what do you want? And, and she, she said, and, and then that child began walking around the house saying, Mom, I believe you're going to make me a sandwich for lunch. I really believe you're going to make me a sandwich for lunch. I'm convinced you're going to make me a sandwich for lunch. What would the mother think of her child? What happened to my child? Wouldn't that be strange? Let's be real. Wouldn't it be strange if your children walked around the house saying, I believe you, Mom and Dad. I really believe you're going to pave the electric bill this month. I really believe you're going to get me clothes. I really believe you're going to feed me. Where did that come from? Ignorance of God's nature. So there's a lot of things that just evolve over time just out of ignorance that become practices in churches. Okay? Okay? Now here we are in 2018, we want to dispel all of that and get back to simple Jesus. Okay? So thank God that we're saved by faith. But it's not our faith by itself, it's our faith in Him. So this brings us to 2018. So about 10 years ago, uh, I started hearing about a minister, Joseph Prince. Didn't know anything about him, hadn't even heard him preach. And this minister who was uh, in my life cautioned, said, don't be careful of him. I said, why? What does he teach? Well, he teaches you don't have to confess your sins. I said, have you heard him say that? He said, I read it in his book. I said, what book? He gave me the name of the book. Guess what I did? I got the book. I don't ever take what hearsay. You can go online and you'll hear pastors and ministers torn apart and now they can take video snippets of their messages and make them look like total fools. You, if you want to know what someone says, listen to one of their messages. Sit down with your Bible. We base messages not on a person's personality, not on where they're from, but on the content of what they teach. All right? So I went, and it turned out my sister, who's actually coming for the wedding this week, my oldest sister, um, had already sent my daughter that book. (laughs) This is like, I don't know, 2008, somewhere back in then, And I remember, I said, wait a minute, I think Mariah has that book. And I remember walking to Mariah's room and I said, Mariah, did Karen say that? Yeah, can I read it? Sure. So I went through and read the book. I thought, this is excellent. (laughs) This is the gospel. There is no stitch wrong with this. What is he talking about? So I got to the chapter that he was referring to and this man totally took it out of context. Completely misunderstood what he was saying. And that's what happens. That was time with the Pharisees. Jesus came and they couldn't recognize God because they were clinging to their religious tradition. Because they were afraid to let go of what was familiar to them. There's no fear here. We've let go of it all, baby. Jesus and only Jesus. So I started reading this thing I said, man, this is fantastic. And what he was actually talking about when he said confessing our sins, well, I don't know how much time we got back there. He was talking about in his life he grew up thinking that he was afraid to commit the unpardonable sin and that his sin was keeping it from God, so he'd walk around confessing sins all day. And he said it got to the point where it was so stressful. He was so afraid. He almost had a nervous breakdown. When finally, the Lord opened his eyes to realize, listen, we don't confess our sins to be forgiven. We confess them because we are forgiven. That your forgiveness has already taken place. So if there's anything you're struggling with, talk to God about it. We talk to him to be free from it. He's already paid the price. He's all, we're already justified. But you can talk to him about it without fear so you can receive the grace you need to set you free. So that's what our conversation with sin is like with God. If we're struggling with something, we talk to him about it, not with condemnation and afraid we're gonna get nailed, but because he's gonna show us something to set us free from it. He's gonna impart his grace to us so we can get up and go forward free. So we're doing this is another book by Joseph Grace Revolution. Excellent book. Uh, we're doing this in get togethers right now. We, we're chapter seven this week. It's phenomenal. But anyway. Uh, I get blackballed for showing this book. Are we on, Jude? Is it recording? So, you know, holding the Joseph Prince book up now, forget it. There are established ministers that just, you're off their list now. Oh, well. Jesus is more important to me than being on someone's list. If I'm on his list, that's all I care about. This truth needs to get out. And it needs to get out now. The gospel of God's amazing grace. So what he realized was so important, and uh, there's more, and he explains it, I think, in this book that we're doing a couple chapters ago, but if you don't have the book, get it. And the book that I read back in 08 was Destined to Reign." Excellent. Hallelujah. So here we are now in 2018, and in these last 10 years, there's been a restoration of God's grace in the body of Christ. Yeah. But that's made a lot of ministers afraid. The gospel of grace, stay away from that, they're saying. Watch out for that gospel of grace. What would make a person afraid of grace? Think about that for a moment. That makes zero sense. Grace brings life. Why would you want to reject grace? I want all the grace I can get and then some. I want the abundance of His grace. Right? I haven't even got to my notes yet. (laughs) Really? So here, boy, the devil will trap you in religion doing your little things over and over again that you feel you have to do to be right with God. He'll trap you. Let him go and believe Jesus. So the big fear about this quote-unquote gospel of grace is what Paul called it. It's exactly what it is. It's the gospel of grace. We're saved by grace through faith. What came first, grace or faith? I've heard ministers say faith comes first. How is faith going to come first? God loved us first. What do we have to put our faith in if God hasn't loved us? Faith is a response to what he's already done, not what I'm hoping he might do someday. You can't have faith if God hasn't moved first. We're saved by grace, and we respond to that by faith. So grace is what God has already done for you. Faith is our response to that. It's that simple. So the the, the fear that I've heard associated back from 08 and whether grace gives people a license to sin. I don't know about you. I, I have a driver's license. I had to get a permit. I know if you want to go hunting, you have to get a hunting license, right? You have to get a fishing license. Have you ever applied for a license to sin? I don't ever remember filling out any paperwork for that. I just did it. Where's this concept that people have, you're giving people a license to sin? There's no license to sin. We just do it. Why is the church afraid of sin? Why is the church afraid of sin? Of something that Jesus bore and defeated. See, if I'm insecure about something I'm struggling with, I'm going to make you insecure. And if I see it start to pop up in your life, I'm going to put you down to make myself feel better. I've seen that happen over and over and over again by pastors and ministers. So what they put down is the message that certain preachers are preaching because they're having issues in their own life and they don't know how to deal with it. It's what Jesus would call hypocrisy. It's good to be real, isn't it? But when I become secure in my relationship with Jesus, I don't want to put you down, I want to lift you up. I want to empower you to go for it. Sin is no longer a problem for us. It's not. Jesus bore it. He bore it. And if you've put your faith in Christ, he has installed his nature in you. You're a new creation. Sin no longer has a hold on you. Grace is the power to live free from sin. And they'll say so often, well, you can't tell people that. They're just going to want to go out and sin. And, and there'll be people who say, well, I'm I just living under grace. And they're just walking around sinning. Listen, if someone is, wants to sin, they're going to do it no matter what you say. Most people want to be free from sin. Yeah. There are those who just don't. And they're playing, you know, church games. And they're really not saved. If someone's, you know, living in sin and claims to be saved, then they're fooled themselves. They're not born again. When you're born again, you can't keep doing that stuff. That doesn't mean you never make a mistake. But, and, and I'm not talking about people struggling with addictions, you know, or previous things they've been through. Sometimes that takes time to work through that. But if you're really born again, If you've really said, Jesus, you're the Lord of my life, I've put my faith in you. Fill me, Holy Spirit. If you have done that with a sincere heart and you're growing in the knowledge of that, you can't sin. Didn't say you can't make a mistake. Let me say this. I'm just forget my notes now. We're already way past that. (laughs) Now I'm gonna say this, I'm gonna boast in the Lord. Where's that from? Should we boast in the Lord? That's the only kind of boasting we do. Where's that come from? Psalm 34, right? I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. When I boast in the Lord, it will set you free. Okay? I am not struggling with sin. I haven't struggled with sin since 1989 when I got saved. Prior to that, I got drunk, came from a family of a number of alcoholics. It was a mess, playing in nightclubs, didn't know what was right or wrong or didn't care. When I came to know Christ, when I put my faith in Him, He came and He lived in me. And I didn't care about sin. I didn't ever think I have to stop sinning. All I thought of was, Jesus, I want you more every day. That has been my focus. Now i made mistakes. But my focus since 1989, Jesus, I want you more. And it will set you free from every bondage. So there's, I, I, there's no alcohol or drugs or pornography or secret sins in my life. I'm boasting in the Lord. That doesn't mean I don't have a bad attitude sometimes. That's a sin, right? Sometimes I say things to people I shouldn't say, or I'm not as kind as I should be. That's a sin. So there's those kinds of sins. But at the same time, I'm not focused. The moment I say something to someone that I shouldn't have said to the Holy Spirit, oh, I know right away, Father, forgive me. Yeah. And if I can, I try and you know, speak to that person again and say, you know what? And sometimes with me, it's uh, some tech support or warranty on the phone, and I don't get the service that I was promised. Ooh, I, can, I, can, I need some grace sometimes when that happens. <laughs> Like, like when they lost 237 of our podcasts. 237. I mean, there's years and years of my life in those things. I said, what are we talking about? We're just getting ready to go to a new warehouse, and you told me you guys had this, and now you're telling me you can't find them. And, and I talked to four different companies, and I was ready to do a lot of things. And I had to really put down the phone and just pray in the spirit for a while. Yeah. And I had to apologize to some people. You know, it was their negligence. It was a, they just dropped the ball, but I said, I'm sorry. You know, I'm sorry. And it got to work it out. We, we still don't have, we, we've got saved copies of them, but they're still not available on our, we got to work it out. So the point I'm saying is this, the freedom from sin comes from just, just loving Jesus. Just make, when you get up in the morning, I said last week, we're not get up in the morning thinking, uh-oh, I hope I don't sin today. Boy, I really I hope I don't do that. We're not even thinking about it. We're saying, okay, it's a brand new day. The loving kindnesses of the Lord are brand new. Go ahead, God. What are we doing today? What do you want to show me? What do we have to do today? What's our plan, right? This is the partnership with him. What do you got in store for us? Let's do that. Show me how to do that. What's next? Really? Oh, this is so fun. Sin's not even in the picture. See, we don't walk on eggshells anymore. We're walking with Jesus. (laughs) It's good to be free from sin. Man, I've been bound by it, and I'm telling you, there's nothing like being free from it. Temptation comes and it doesn't tempt you. Hey, isn't that wonderful? Things that used to have a hold on you don't have a hold on you anymore. That's who you are now. That's what God's done for you already. You don't know how free you are yet. You're free from every bondage, from every depressing thought. You're free. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You're free. Take your eyes off of what used to bound you and start worshiping Jesus. Really. Just start praising him get up in the morning say god you're so amazing regardless of how you feel regardless of any mistakes you've just made of any bondages or things that may be currently active in your life start worshiping him any any bills you're facing any debt any job issues just wake up and start praising him god you're so amazing you love me so much my whole life is in your hands you're working all things out for my good you are accomplishing the things that concern me you've already gone before me and you've made the crooked places straight it's all coming together because you're my father and i lift up my hands and i bless you and i worship you and i give you praise and i thank you lord for what you've done you're amazing and your mercy endures forever you are good and your mercy endures forever fill me with your spirit lord god strengthen me today lead me forward what's your plan father show me let's go that's how we get up no regrets the past is behind us we've got nothing but the Lord in front of us nothing but his destiny to fulfill your past is over it's gone it's done don't look back anymore forward we're moving forward we're going all the way we're never looking back again Jesus Hallelujah, hallelujah. This is what the knowledge of God does. It transforms your life. You go from a negative person to a positive person, from a sad person to a happy person, from a depressed person to a joyful person. You cannot be filled with the knowledge of God and not be happy. Depression comes from entertaining negative thoughts. Period, and those thoughts may have been generated by past abuse or different things, but the reality is those things will be broken through faith in Christ. Realizing that's not who you are anymore. All right, let's see. Let's get let's get a, one of these scriptures in here. Ah, uh, John fourteen. So this is where we are now in the body of Christ, guys. The gospel of grace. Grace has been brought back to the forefront. Some are still resisting it. Some are criticizing it. Others are embracing it. Okay? It's not a new gospel. It's not a false gospel. It's just simply the gospel. There is only one gospel, right? There are many false ones. But any, the gospel will lead you closer to Jesus, will make you more thankful for Jesus, will improve your relationship with Jesus. So this, Jesus is our criteria for what we believe, right? So John 14, 6, like we said last week Jesus is the name brand of God. You remember that? He's heaven's name brand. Nothing generic about him. Jesus said in John 14, 6, he said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. I'm God's name brand. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, I shared with you a little bit last week about computers, my experience with computers. Jesus said, I'm the only way, right? I'm the way, the life, the truth. In, when I shared with you a little bit about my computers experience back in the late 90s and early 2000s, I was changing from one brand to another. And one of the differences I found in the brand that I had been using for years and was very skilled at is that there were many voices involved in the creation of that brand. In other words, I would buy like the top of the line from this company, but the company really didn't create all the parts. They just assembled them. So one company created the operating system, and even in that there were a lot of hands involved. One company created the keyboard that went on the laptop. One company created the motherboard. One company created the shell, the, the screen. All these different voices involved in the creation of this thing. And there are times I'd be working with this top-of-the-line laptop and a key would pop off. And I told you, things would freeze up and all these different issues. And I had to talk with all these different manufacturers, all these voices involved. But this other computer that I had had one voice involved. The the one who had the vision for it oversaw oversaw the whole, whole design and completion of it. And I would type on this thing and so it was like the keys were part of it. Never pop off. You could just feel this thing was solid. It was like one piece. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There will be a lot of voices trying to enter your life. You only need one. It's time to listen to the one voice and let him build you into a solid, strong, Healthy, victorious child of God. The voice of your Savior, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. 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 Verse 7. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also, and from now on you know him and I've seen them. Make that your confession. Father, I thank you that I know you and I recognize your voice. Philip says, Lord, show us a father and it's sufficient for us. Now this is a startling statement. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long? Have I been with you? So God was with them and they didn't know him. Have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the father. Wow. So you can be with God and not know God. What is the solution to that? Start studying and looking at Jesus. And that's what we're doing. Okay? That's what we're doing. And uh, I just, uh, I think I'm going to have to end it or we're going to be here for a while. Hallelujah. I'll give you some scriptures to read. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Matthew chapter 10. Verse 1, so back to Matthew, Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Okay, I can read them, I'll read them real quick here. Matthew 9, 35, you can read them and study them around. So this is how we look at Jesus, we go to the scriptures. We open up our Bibles, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. He's in every other book as well, but those five books are the clearest books where you would just see him crystal clear. In Matthew 9, verse 35, as we look at Jesus, we get to know God's nature. We're filled with the true knowledge of God. And we begin to know the God who was with us all along, but we weren't enjoying him because the the, the beliefs we had inside were wrong, were distorted. Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. That's the true knowledge of God and he hasn't changed. This is God's will for you. Healing from every sickness, every disease. Matthew chapter 10 verse 1. And when he had called unto him, remember he said you see me, you've seen the Father. When he called unto him his 12 disciples, he had given them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal. All manner of sickness and all manner of disease. That's God's will for you. He hasn't changed. That's the true knowledge of God. That's the gospel. Acts 10.38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good. Isn't that interesting? Not one bad thing did he do. Who went about doing good. Why? Because that's his nature. And healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. There's a whole lot more. But that's just three of the many, many scriptures. That reveal to us the nature of our father. Start meditating on these scriptures. And scriptures like them. And receive from him. What he wants to do in your life. And that's what I started doing, oh boy, this past few weeks, there was something trying to, a physical condition trying to creep into my life. And it's something that I did. It wasn't a big deal, but it was just kind of bothersome. And uh, I just don't have time to go into all of it. But anyway, I realized I had been tolerating this off and on for years. And I finally said, you know, what? why am I allowing this to continue in my life? So I began meditating on Matthew chapter 8 and uh, I think it was verse 16 or 17. It says, he himself bore our sicknesses and carried our diseases and just began meditating on the scriptures I began to share with you. And, and after about two weeks of meditating on that, this strength just started rising up in my body and that thing just started getting weaker and weaker and fading away. So the reality is we want to replace any wrong beliefs that we have about God and His will for our lives and replace them with what Christ has already demonstrated to us. That's what we do at Highway Church. That's why we're here. So if, you've, if you have sown seed into these seats, that's your job is to believe God, to reach hearts and bring the people in who've already been assigned to these seats. That's right. That's right. They're people they're already assigned to it, they yeah. just don't know it yet. <laughs> to receive the healing that He brings. Yeah. In Jesus' name. So come together. Let's join our hearts together. Father, we come before you, not as a religious organization, but as your family, as your kids your sons and your daughters. Father, it's amazing how much you love us. And as we look at Jesus and look back over history, we see how unfamiliar mankind has been with you, how ignorant they have been and we have been of your goodness and your love and all that you desire to do in our lives. Holy Spirit, change that. Replace ignorance with knowledge of you. Lord, we give you full right of way in this new work that you've begun in 2014, this highway church. Let the gospel of your amazing grace burst forth from this place like never before. That all those who are bound and struggling in their relationship with you would hear and be set free and come into the abundant life the guilt-free, sin-free, condemnation-free, depression-free, sickness-free Jesus life. Lord, thank you so much for bringing us together. This is special. This is very special. We just pause and, and acknowledge what you've done. Or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.